I serve Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. It has been amazing to be here with you guys, to be with Elevate Church and all the crowned ladies. We had a good weekend, but, you know, just on a personal note, and I don't want to get choked up again, but on a personal note, I was talking to my husband this morning and just telling him all the cool things God's doing here and what Pastor Jeff and Jess and the team are doing, and um, we are just so proud, you know, just so, ah. I'm trying to talk. (laughs) Uh, Just super proud of these guys and the team. We had a chance to get to know your team last night, a little bit more, leadership team, great people. The Lord has got you guys so positioned for, for incredible things. You've not even really yet begun, although you have begun, for what the Lord has ahead. So you're in a good place. You've got great leaders, and um, it's just been a pleasure to be here. My daughter Annie and I got to be here together. She celebrated her 31st birthday. Woo-woo! <laughs> so it's just been really great to be with you guys, and I've got a, a word to share with you this morning, but um, you know, just want to take a moment. don't want to miss the moment because it's fun, you know, you parents, you know, when you see your kids, you know, grow up, so to speak, and not that there are kids, but they were with us for 10 years and they were kids when they came. And to see your kids grow up and just do such incredible things, it, it's such a blessing. And then to see Michael and Ben, and we haven't yet met Luke. We'll meet him, I would see him today. And Matt, Matt, you guys are just such a huge support and such gifted people, both of you, and this little baby that never cries. <laughs> But I love your energy, Matt. You're just really good. You're really good at leading and at creating atmosphere and keeping people pointed toward the Lord. So it's, it's been fun to watch you too. And I know I saw your mom, and I think I might have seen your dad for two seconds. There they are. Hi, guys, again. So anyways, great, great, great to be with you. I want to share a word with you today. And um, it's a message I share with our church from time to time just to remind us, keep us stirred up. And you guys are right in the, in the thick of it too. In the culture in which we live, of course, we're in a very polarized world, aren't we? And a lot of things have changed and all kinds of emotions and thoughts and opinions and a lot of things happening. And so the message I want to share with you is called, How Much Do You Have to Hate Somebody? And that'll make more sense as we go. And um, it'll, all the dots will connect. But a couple of weeks ago, I was out for a little prayer drive. I like to go for a uh, ride in my car and pray. And I was out praying and, and I like to sing, just get songs from the Lord. And as I was getting ready to sort of sing and pray, I said, I said to the Lord, Lord, you know what? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing on planet Earth? Because it's crazy down here. People are crazy. Everything's crazy. Like, Lord, but what are you doing? And I was kind of, you know, waiting for him to be like, well, I'm about to, I'm about to turn some things loose. I'm about to send down some fire from heaven, you know. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for something, but as I was just praying and singing and, and getting in his presence, I really felt like the Lord said, I'm doing what I've always done. I'm seeking and saving the lost. And I'm not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I was singing that out, and I was like, but Lord, you know, the thing that the thing that causes people to repent, according to your word, the thing that causes people to repent is your goodness, 
It's your kindness, your goodness that leads people to repentance. And then I just got a little rabbit trail of praying and singing about God's goodness and, and his desire to save people. He's not as mad <laughs> at people as some of us can be at times because he loves people and he wants to save them. So this message, how much do you have to hate somebody, is an important one for us to be stirred up about again and to think about. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to look at Matthew 4.19. We'll start with Matthew 4.19. I'm going to kind of hopscotch you through a lot of scriptures you probably know, but I want to tell you some stories along the way and to stir up something in your heart. Um, I like to tell people, it's always good to listen with your heart. You know, we're, we're logical people and people of rational thinking, and so we like to often listen and learn with our mind, and that's good. It's not a bad thing, but when it comes to the things of God, it's actually better to listen with your heart. Catch what the Spirit's saying. Catch what he wants you to get out of whatever it is we share today as we go through it, okay? So Matthew four nineteen, Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this is such a funny passage to me because we've all read it, we've all heard it, but what's interesting about it is sometimes it's a scary passage. Like sometimes we read a passage like this and we're like, uh, is she going to talk about evangelism? <laughs> is she going to talk about going door to door and knocking on doors and witnessing to people? Is this like a soul winning message? Well, yes, yes, and yes, but <laughs> what we miss is we miss the fun part. We miss the fun factor when it comes to this subject. So how many of you grew up, or maybe even still, you grew up fishing? You've gone fishing with your parents. You've gone fishing with a buddy or with some friends. Good number of your hands went up. Okay, same here. We grew up, I'm the oldest of four girls, so we grew up fishing with my dad. And he would take all of us girls out fishing and, you know, we'd get the pontoon and we'd get the cooler all put together and the worms and the cane poles. And when my dad told us the night before, when he told us, hey, girls, tomorrow we're all going to go fishing. We had a cottage up North Michigan on Lake Misaki. We'd go to the cottage and he'd say, okay, girls, we're going fishing tomorrow. Never once did I ever dread it. Never once did I ever say, oh, I hate fishing. Are you kidding? We got so excited because there was something about throwing that cane pole in the water with a bobber. And there was something about the game of it all. And then when that bobber went down, oh, I love that feeling. When the bobber goes down, the adrenaline rush that you might catch a bluegill <laughs> was exciting. And we would catch, we would go out and catch, one time we went out, that was during spawning season, we caught like 40 bluegills, but they were jumping in the boat. It was so much fun. Like fishing is fun, especially when you're catching. It's even sort of fun when you're not, but it's more fun when you are. My husband and I, we live on a lake, and so we go fishing a lot, and he likes to fish. But you know what? We are, we're not good at it. We're pretty terrible at it. We have a fish finder even. We see the fish. They're taunting us. We see them. We see big ones. We see little ones. They're there. And we, we haven't caught them. <laughs> so there's an art to fishing. It's a game. But it's supposed to be fun. That's the point. When Jesus says, hey, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. We're going to have some fun. We shouldn't have the attitude, oh, it's such a drag. I hate witnessing to people. I hate being a witness for Christ. No, this is our calling. This is who we are. We are a witness for Christ. But, so then let's just have some fun with it. So let's talk about those things. Um, 
in your Bibles, go ahead to Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. This is actually a calling passage for me. I was in college as a biology major, and I wanted to be a dentist. I loved teeth, and I wanted to be a dentist until God spoke this scripture to me through a series of situations. And the Lord said, I interrupt your life to bring you a very important message. You're not going to be a dentist, but I need you to do this. And here's what it says. Romans 10, for for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What? Whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? The answer is they can't. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? They can't. And how shall they hear without a preacher? They can't. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. My Bible study leader shared this passage with me in my dorm room when I was about 19, 20. It was 1979 anyways, so I was way back. She shared this passage with me. And when she did, honestly, like she kept talking. I don't even know what she said. My eyes were glued to this passage because I said, well, Lord, if all they have to do is call on you to be saved, but they can't believe if they don't hear and they can't hear if there's not a preacher. So if you're looking for preachers, oh, well, I'll do that. If that's all you're looking for is preachers, I'll do that. I had no earthly idea what that even meant. I was raised Roman Catholic, so the only thing women did in my childhood was to become a nun, and I knew that wasn't the plan. So, <laughs> so I didn't really even know what it meant to be a preacher, but I just said, Lord, sign me up. I mean, if that's what you're saying here, and my whole life changed, radically changed at that point. So for me, it was a calling verse, but for all of us, it's a calling verse in the sense that we're all called to witness for Christ, to help people in our sphere of influence that don't know the Lord. Now, I'll never forget, I remember I was the first one in my family that became a born-again Christian, became a you know, Christian. I was the first one. I'm the oldest of four girls, and uh, my parents were split up at the time. I mean, stayed split up after that also, but <laughs> they were split up. And um, so here I am, this, you know, after my freshman year in college, I become a Christian, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to tell everybody. Like, I want to tell everybody. How many of you guys felt that way? You got saved and you thought about your family and you thought about your friends and your high school friends, your college friends, your coworkers. And you're like, man, this is such great news. I have to tell people this. You feel that, right? You, you want to tell people. How many of you in here, you are the first generation Christian in your family? Like you're the first one. Let me see. Usually there's a decent number of hands. And I always like to tell people that are first generation Christians, it's a privileged position. God picked you. He looked at your whole family, all the in-laws, all the outlaws. He looked at everybody and he said, okay, hmm, I'm going to pick you. You're the one. You're the one to start, to start the fire in the family. He, he chose you. It's a, it's a privileged position because he just knew, he somehow knew you'd be the one that would be faithful to somehow convey the message. Well, I felt that with my family. I felt that responsibility in a sense because I was the first one. Well, my family, I was out with Campus Crusade for Christ. I was on a summer project in uh, New Hampshire. We did beach evangelism. And I'm a brand new Christian. I really know nothing, but hey, it's a summer at the beach in a beach house with about 50 other college kids. So what could go wrong? (laughs) But everything went right. It was an amazing summer. Well, my family came out to visit. My mother and four sisters came out because they thought I was in a cult. 
and they were coming to rescue me, <laughs> honestly. But anyways, we're praying for them, you know? So they come out, we're driving in the car one day talking, and, and so I'm realizing, like, this is our chance. I, I want to share with my mother. I want her to know this, and I want, I want my whole family in heaven with us, you know, kind of a thing. So I said, you know, Mom, the Bible says, you know, John 14, 6 is a verse in the Bible, and Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. And my mother says, kind of a pause in the car, and my mother says, you mean to tell me that if I don't accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I could spend eternity in hell? I said, well, Mom, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. (laughs) Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Jesus said those words. Kind of paused again. She goes, you mean to tell me if I don't accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I could spend eternity in hell? I said, yes, Mom. I mean, I'm thinking inside. Well, she's getting it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But to her, I said, yes, Mom. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Third time, you mean to tell me if I don't accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I would spend eternity in hell. And I said, yes, Mom. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Here's what she said. I was prepared for her to say, well, what about all the people that haven't heard? I was prepared for her to say, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? Because I had good answers for those questions. But what she said was, if that's true, if you believe that's true, then why did it take you a year and a half to tell your family? And I thought, boy, she really got it. And boy, was that a zinger. Because I was trying to tell them, but I wasn't that effective. I was trying to be a light. But now I'm having a conversation, and now we're getting down to brass tacks, and now she understands. So now it's a matter of her having to make a decision, which she did, thankfully, within a couple of weeks. She and my stepdad came to the Lord in a church service with us. Um, Then my sister, my youngest sister, then my middle sister, then my one right below me, then my dad and his wife, then all of the brother-in-laws. And these days, the whole family is saved, everybody's saved. Three of the four are in heaven. My mom, dad, and stepdad are in heaven, which is such a good feeling when you know they're there. And um, probably about 15 or 20 of our family are in full-time ministry now, are called to the ministry. So including, you know, nephews and nieces, and it just keeps going. So first-generation person, God has big plans for you if you'll be faithful to reach your family. And if you're not the first generation in your family, but you're just in your family, you still are called to be the one to keep preaching the gospel to your sphere of influence. Amen? Amen. So I, heard, I saw this video not too long ago, or you know, a couple of years ago anyways, and it just so resonated because it's like, how much do we have to hate people not to tell them? People in our family, people that we know, people that bug us. But how much do they have to bug us that we don't tell them the gospel? Well, then I happen to see this video I'm going to show you. This is from a guy who's an acclaimed atheist. You you may know of the illusionist, Penn and Teller, you know, the magic guys. Well, he's an avowed atheist, and yet here's what he said, and it's such a good word for all of us. So let's take a look. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position. 
after I was old, Don, big guy, probably about my age. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. He said, I wrote in the front of it and I wanted you to have this. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. It was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist, but he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Isn't that amazing? From an atheist to stir us up as Christians. And you know, the season you guys are going to head into as a church, I mean, such great things are ahead. And all the people yet to come into this place, all the people yet to get saved. I mean, we want to be just stirred up about evangelism. I know it's not the heart of any of you guys here, and I know it's not your pastor's heart. We're never a us for no more bless me club. We're always looking out to see how can we win more people to Christ. The creative thing you guys are doing at Christmas with the Christmas at the movies. I mean, what an incredible opportunity to invite people that don't know the Lord far from God. It's an easy invite. They're very likely to come. Those kinds of things we just want to stay stirred up on. Amen? Okay, now, if you will, go over to another verse. These are just some favorite verses, but I want to just kind of keep you stirred up and um, give you something very practical at the end. How do you catch fish? How do you fish for men? And how is it fun? I'll tell you that at the very end. But here's Luke 15, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So it's the priority of evangelism or the imperative of evangelism. You know, Jesus was like, I love my people. I love my sheep, but I'll leave 99 of them to go after the one that's lost. And so for you and I to get stirred up with that, and I am guilty probably like you too, there's just times I'm not stirred up. I'm just trying to keep up with life. There's times, you know, we're busy pastoring a church. We're dealing with issues with the sheep. There's times when, you know, you're just frustrated by the culture. You're not feeling love for the culture. I'm frustrated with the culture. 
So we have to get stirred up again about it to go, no, God, you love all 100, but the one that would be lost, you'd go after. Well, you'd go after with love and grace and kindness and not with, you know, some of the things that it's so tempting at times to go after them with, you know? So it's a, it's a good stirrup and probably a good analogy, true story, that will help stir up that, you know, feeling, for lack of a better word, is we all you know, understand probably the dynamic of being out shopping with kids and being in a store, a grocery store, or a department store with your kids or your grandkids. And how many of you mothers and dads, you know, you're always doing the kid count. Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, good. We got them all. You're going through the names, you know, Megan, Andy, Luke, Eric. Okay, we got them all. And you're always just checking to make sure they're with you, right? Are you not always checking? Either get in the cart, sit in the cart, or just be near me. Well, we did that all the time as well. And I was shopping with the kids one time, all we have four. I was shopping with all four kids, and uh, we went to Myers. Do you guys have Myers here? You do. You have Myers? We went to Myers, and um, so, you know, carts loaded up with groceries, and the kids are helping me shop. And, but it's also chaos, because I think probably Megan at the time, how old were you? You were probably eight, maybe, at the most. Megan's probably 10. So, you know, four kids under 10. Let's picture that. <laughs> and so we're at the store. We get to the checkout counter, and I'm putting all the stuff up on the conveyor and keeping my eyes on the kids, and then I do the count. Megan, Aunt Annie. Luke, Eric, where's Annie? Megan, where's Annie? I don't know. Luke, where's your sister? I don't know. Eric, have you seen Annie? No. Like, there's no Annie. And I did the count again. There's no Annie. And I'm looking around, and you know how you get that little bit of that panic feeling, and then you don't really care what you sound like or look like, because now you're, you know, out of control. So I'm like running up and down the aisles looking, and now I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Annie! At the top of my lungs, I'm screaming. And I'm looking at the cashier, like, lock down the store. Like, I'm, we have a child that's lost. And I'm, Annie, eh. and I'm looking, looking. So I grab the other three kids. We go back to grocery. And I'm looking up and down the aisles for Annie. And there she was in the cereal aisle. Just not really crying, but just kind of befuddled, kind of lost. We went and grabbed her, scooped her up. and said, Annie, don't leave us. Stay with the group. You know, it's like, put her in the car. You know, and it was just like, ah, such a good feeling to have found her, to have found the lost child. And you guys, if you've ever experienced it at any degree, you know that feeling I'm describing. But here's what I didn't do, because this, I think, will drive it home even more. What I didn't do when I did the count of the heads and Megan, Annie, no, where's Annie? Luke, Eric, you guys, where's Annie? And they all said, I don't know. What I didn't do is say, well, you know, I've got three out of the four of you. <laughs> it's a majority. I mean, most of my family's going home with me. <laughs> right? I mean, there's no way. We are not leaving the store until we have the fourth child. Right? We're not leaving. And it wasn't this mindset, well, you know, we have a good-sized church, and we're growing, and, you know, there's a lot of people in our town. We've reached some of them. It's like, no, we are on mission to reach all of them. We're not leaving and going to heaven until we've got every last one of them saved. Amen. That's a heart mindset. Now, one church isn't going to do it all. One person's not going to do it all. But there's that heart that Jesus has. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. Amen. Now, here's an important thing, I think, as it relates to church, is you want to have a mindset always, always to go fishing for the fish outside the church. 
We had a guy on staff years ago, Aaron, Aaron Birch, you probably remember him. He was on staff years ago and he had just moved to Michigan from Oklahoma and he loved to fish. So he got all of his gear and he had this little inner tube thing. He'd like climb in this little inner tube thing, you know, like a circle around him and kind of float out into water and fish. Well, he found this really cool fishing hole, he thought. So he got in his little inner tube thing and he gets out there and he's fishing and he says, oh man, I was just slaying them one after another. I'm just catching fish like crazy. And I'm thinking Michigan's amazing. He goes, all of a sudden, a couple guys walked up. They go, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I'm slaying them. And they said, you are at the fish hatchery. Get out of there. We're going to write you a ticket. Get out of there. You're at the fish hatchery. (laughs) Well, no wonder you're slaying them. See, in the church world, (laughs) sometimes we're not interested in sheep moving from church to church. We're not interested in catching fish that are already caught. What we're interested in is catching fish that have never been caught. Amen. Getting fish saved. Now, I'll wrap up with this. How do we catch fish? Here's a funny, I think, interesting secret. The fish will tell you. What are the fish biting? What do you put on the hook? What lure? What bait? How do you catch fish? The fish will tell you. They tell you what they're biting. How do the fish tell you what they're biting? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So if we'll listen between the lines to the people in our world, like do an experiment this year at Thanksgiving, assuming you're invited. (laughs) Do an experiment and listen between the lines at Thanksgiving. Listen to all the people there, zero in on a couple, and hear what they're saying because a lot of times, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. People can say things on the surface, but really what's in their heart is going to come out. If there's fear, they're fearful if they're angry, if they're confused. I mean, it's going to come out. People are going to say what their fears are. They're going to say what their anxieties are. And when you hear those things, that's when you go, okay, Holy Spirit, what lure do we put on the hook? What truth, what scripture, what, what key will unlock their heart right now? And you'll have fun with it because they'll actually be surprised that you know that you said something that wasn't just like head information, but you unlock something in their heart. And it's a, that's where the fishing gets fun. That's where you go on this little treasure hunt with people and you're like, okay, Lord, let's do this. Let's go catch some fish. Help me listen between the lines to hear what they say and then help me put the right thing on the, on the hook. And when I say the right thing, I'm talking really just conversations. I'm not saying you have to pull out your Bible and start beating people over the head. I'm just saying you're having conversations with people, but you're on mission. And the conversations are to point them to Jesus, to point them to the answer, to the fears and the things that they will reveal with the words of their very own mouth. Amen. And it may very well be you'll have a chance to pray with some people. May very well be you'll get, you'll get to be the one to say, hey, you know, would you like to pray with me? Let's pray and let's ask Jesus to come into your life. And then we'll go from there. You know, in other words, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be all that. You just have to listen and give them some encouragement. Amen? I want to close with this. Uh, Jesus said this. He saw the crowds around him, had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, 
to send out workers into his harvest field. That's true today. The harvest fields are ripe. People are ripe. They're, they're so confused and mad and anxious, angry. They're, they're so ripe for somebody, for somebody that's got truth, and Jesus is the truth. So I want you to watch this closing video. It's a song you'll recognize, but maybe just think about people in your world. Let the Lord stir up a little compassion in your heart for those you're going to encounter this week and in the holiday season to come. Amen. Amen. 